0: what's going on everybody welcome to the curio house podcast my name is craig kiriokas you know i started this podcast because i'm out there every single day helping people buy and sell real estate and i run into some of the most interesting people that i've ever met and i have some of the most interesting conversations that i've ever had and i get a lot of valuable ideas and content from these conversations and i thought it'd be cool to bring those to you and hopefully you can get some value from that too Uh, My goal here is just to have interesting conversations with interesting people. We're talking about everything from housing to mortgage and finance, home inspections, the process of buying a home, and really all the BS that comes with being a human. So if you get something from this, I would love if you could like, share, subscribe, do all the good things. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, or if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, anything regarding the home purchase process, feel free to reach out. I'm always here to help, and uh, I make that a priority in, in my business and on this channel. So uh, again, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy the show, and I'll see you guys on the other side.
1: We're rolling. Welcome, Bo. Hey, thank you. Thanks for doing this.
0: Th- thank you. Thank you for being my, <laughs> my guinea pig on uh, our number right. one episode. How's life?
1: Everything's great. Yeah? Yeah, man.
0: Right on. You've been staying busy?
1: Really busy. Yeah.
0: You got that development going in.
1: Yeah. And it's just getting started. So that's, that's been taking up a lot of our time, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a blast so far. Nice.
0: How many do you have going in over there?
1: Well, so there's eight houses right now going in at the landing. Um, we're doing two of them right now. We've got, uh, Elijah Morris doing two and Scott Parsons doing two and another guy, Jay Winkle doing two right now. So a nice. bunch of houses going to be ready for spring and, uh, yeah, you feel good about it? I do, man. I, I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we've been waiting on this opportunity to kind of have a chance to build some more houses out there for a long time, and, you know, the uh, timing's right. There's not enough yeah. houses, and so I think people are going to be excited.
0: Well, and they're prime lots. Yeah. You know, like, so three-quarter acre or bigger. Yeah. And you've got a couple two-acre two lots. Yeah. And a five-acre lot, and that's kind of tough to find around here, especially at a good price.
1: It you know? is, and, it, you know, it, it just so happened that, we were able to meet up with these people that, um, I mean, it was the Hawkshaven airport, uh, right next to the golf course, the coolest piece of land ever. That was just
0: like a little private airport that you weren't bringing like commercial
1: anything. in. No retired doctor that just flew in and out his planes. And so, um, you know, we made it the landing kind of for, for his sake. Um, but, You know, tiny little little homage to yeah. So there was a grass strip out there, and there's still a hangar out there that we're gonna do something really cool with, like make it a uh, a farmers market or kind of a a neighborhood hangout.
0: Dude, that'd be cool.
1: Yeah, that'd be way cool. Yeah, yeah, right on.
0: And so, how many lots are out there?
1: There's 90 lots, and I mean, I kind of expect it to uh, to fill up pretty quick. But um, sneaker here, though, we were able to get uh, 160 next door recently too. So we're kind of, if all goes well, going to be able to keep on rolling. So,
0: so will it all be the landing? It'll all be one development?
1: No, actually, I think what we're looking at doing and Greg may kill me for, you know, talking uh, so far ahead, cause it's, it's going to take some planning, but um, there's a need out there for kind of a, a retirement type place, 55 plus yeah. um, spot where, you know, people that don't want to take care of a big yard can, can hang too. So okay. Um, that's all coming. It's yeah. going to maybe be a while, but uh, yeah. Well,
0: um, the, I, I think, uh, what do they say? Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> think Things take time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, we know what happened to Rome. So we're, <laughs> we, we, we don't use that <laughs> analogy too much, but we're, we're pretty fired up though, about just everything that's going on around Cedar Valley. And I mean, I mean, you just look at what's happening in Guthrie in general, and Logan County. Yeah. Um, people are, are coming in droves and, and that's pretty exciting. So.
0: Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because f- like from my perspective, being an agent, you know, I, I kind of work, uh, like on the front line with, mm-hmm. with buyers, a lot more buyers and sellers right now. Um, and I think that's mostly just because there's that influx of buyers that we're getting. And I, I think people are still kind of taking it slower, uh, with listing properties, but with that influx of buyers, this is one of the things I kind of wanted to get into, um, from your perspective, do you think that this is all driven by kind of what's going on in the larger scheme of things right now in the U S with like COVID and, and home sales are up nationally, you know, like double digits. Yeah. So, and, and is that really what's driving Guthrie's growth right now? Or, or is it more that people are, uh, and maybe they're one in the same, but sort of making that migration out of the city into these smaller towns?
1: I Maybe a combination because, I mean, what do we all know that, you know, a couple of years ago when this started, everyone kind of took a good hard look at where they lived because they were having to spend so much time there. Yeah, And that sort of, you know, along with pretty good market conditions as far as borrowing money and everything, it's like, hey, we really can make a move and let's decide where we really want to be. And plus, we're going to be working there a lot you know, a lot yeah. more than what we have been. And um, yeah, I think that's driving it from other states, too. People are looking at Guthrie, Logan County, central Oklahoma and going, sure. wow, it's a beautiful place. It's somewhere where I can work remotely and, um, you know, maybe buy more affordably than, I mean, gosh, because, you know, you, you've seen it. People from Phoenix, Vegas, California, all come into our area and it's like, wow, you know.
0: Flocking here in droves. Yeah. There's a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I think we all, I mean, being from here, you know, we've always kind of knew, like, this is kind of a a really good kept secret that this is such a good place to live and people are kind of figuring out, like, you know. Yeah. um, That it's awesome. Yeah.
0: So I I just closed on a property a little east of Guthrie uh, off of 105 in in Timberland Hills. Mm -hmm. And that was a really fun one to work on, uh, because I, I really hit it off with the buyer and, you know, we got along great, but he falls into like all of those categories that you just listed. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he works for a larger, um, mortgage company, but they're working more on the side where they're trying to keep people in their homes. So people that right. are behind on their mortgage and, and right. all that. Um, but he's in that exact situation. He was living in Yukon and, but, and he was there, I think for just under a year, but before that, he was living in uh, Portland or outside of Portland. Wow! And so he was able to sell his house out there, cash in on you know the the money that or the uh, equity that he had in that. Came out here and he was renting. He was in an apartment and got into this awesome house on one acre outside of town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, with uh, the neighborhood neighborhood has an HOA, but. They're not super strict on a lot. You know, right. It's mostly gravel streets over there, yeah. big lots, and he got in for one hundred ninety thousand. This awesome house sitting on a full acre, and so I, I feel like a lot of people, even in Oklahoma City, are moving up here into Logan County or or near Guthrie because we still have the land mm-hmm. and prices are still relatively low. And then, I, actually, I think there's there's a bunch of benefits. Of moving out of the city and, and into Logan County or around yeah. Guthrie, another one being property taxes—you save a bunch on property tax.
1: You do, and and you know Guthrie's always been a place. I mean, there's two exits off I-35, and then closer to where we are, we have Highway seven. I mean, Guthrie's pretty easy to get to. You can get back to Oklahoma City in 20 minutes, and I mean, you try to get out of the middle of Edmond or you know some of these places right now, and you know the traffic's congested. You know. It, you can do it. You can reasonably get from Guthrie to wherever you're going. Yeah. Pretty reasonably. And I think people notice that too. Like, wow. Um, but that's e- crazy. Port 935. I wonder how many times that's happened. Portland to Yukon. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. Completely <what>? different. Yeah. <laughs> 180.
0: Yeah. It's uh and it's wild. Um he I, I think his perspective um on Portland was I think how a lot of us would see it out here. Sure. It's just like where is this place going? You yeah. Know, like wreck. what is going on out here? Yeah. And so he was real anxious to get out of it. And uh it, he had even been working remotely um since really like the pandemic started, March of 2020. Um, but when he found out, like, hey, I can work remotely long term, he was like, I don't need to be in Oregon. Right. I can go, I can go anywhere. And so he was looking like literally all 50 states. He was like, Where do I want to go? And it just so happened that he saw, you know, cost of living in Oklahoma is a lot lower. We're one of the best states for cost of living. Yeah. And, uh, I think he just made his decision mostly based on that.
1: Don't you think too, that families, extended families are getting closer together? Like, uh, you know, the kids can also live in Oklahoma, the, 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 you know, like, yeah, for uh, sure. How often do we like, well, um, you know, our kids live in Oklahoma city. We're going to live in Guthrie. My parents, we, th- we may move them with us. Everybody is kind of, you know, circling the wagons a little bit, like, let's get closer so we can support each other. And yeah, uh, which I think is good.
0: And and in some cases, they're consolidating onto the same property. Yeah, I've got a guy that I'm working with, um, I sold his house in Edmond, he bought a place in South Guthrie, and it's on two and a half acres. His plan is to redo this house, uh, make it, you know, nice and livable for his Mm in-laws. And you know, in-laws are getting up there in age, so they're going to come stay in that and he's going to build a second property for him and his wife you know, on the same two and a half acres. And so he kind of gets, gets his in-laws, you know, in a situation where, uh, they can, you know, be cared for and, and have the attention that they need. And, you know, they still have plenty of room. And so that's, that's a good point. Yeah. There's a lot of people.
1: I think it's a good consolidating. Thing. Yeah,
0: definitely. Do you feel like, um, or let me frame this the right way. We see all of the changes That I think are happening, like the the changes we're discussing right now are mostly driven by the pandemic. What changes specifically do you see that are happening in real estate because of the pandemic?
1: Oh, I think, you know, priorities change a little bit. You know, we've, we see what people are looking for as they um, shop for houses. And I mean, it's just changed so much over the years. I mean, one of the things too is, um, location matters so much. I mean, it always has. But when people are, um, they're just evaluating so much more when they buy a house. Um, It is tough right now because prices are up. And you sort of fall into that thing like, I mean, how often do you hear it? I'd love to sell my house right now, because I'm going to make so much. But I also have to buy in this market. And where am I going to go? Yeah. And, and people, I think, are just so used to a different dynamic. Like, I'm going to make a little bit of my house and I'm going to walk into a little bit of an equity position on the place I go. And it all just kind of makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, right now it's just so lopsided. I'm going to make a ton, but I never imagined I'd be spending so much for the house I'm buying. And it's really just a market. I mean, I think. Our area has never experienced prices like we're seeing now. No. And it takes some getting used to it. it. takes some getting your mind around, okay, I can buy this. And you know what? I need to just remember, I'm not paying too much. I, I'm paying market rate for a property right now
0: and that's the thing though they they feel like they might be overpaying yeah. because like you're saying these are prices that they've never seen before
1: uh, for sure and, and it's prices they've never seen before for almost anything you know yeah. I, that part of it's crazy too but it's it's a little scary and the fact that they're going to have so much more money normally to put down on it and i think that's one of the good things about real estate right now as opposed to say when you know uh, real estate kind of hit a rocky spot in the 2007 8 it, is people didn't have the equity. I think a rocky and, spot is an understatement. <laughs> I, you know, but but yeah, you know, one of those things. Though I call it a rocky spot because where we are in Oklahoma, I mean, we just didn't experience the the trouble that so many other places did because, you know, Oklahoma's just kind of a steady appreciation state. And so when it's wow, prices are nutty right now, uh, people don't know exactly what to do, which is why, you know, it's important to you know, really work with somebody you trust and somebody that is engaged and full-time and, yeah, you know, really works in the business and seen a few things that can advise you. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's that's a really good point because, you know, from, from my perspective, even just in the short time that I've been a, a licensed real estate agent, um, I see there being a sort of shift in the perspective of real estate agents or realtors um, to more like they're, they're not... Uh, almost anyone can sell a house right now, yeah. right? But it's about um, who can get you the right terms or the terms that put you in a, in a stronger position as as a buyer, you know, if you can make more selling and you can carry more equity into the purchase that, you know, puts you in a much better position financially. So I think that um, there there is this sort of push uh, from the public to look for real estate agents that they know can get the job done rather than, you know, my my cousin's daughter just got licensed and she, you know, is starting out, so I'm going to throw her a bone kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, and it's, it's just sort of a, a thing about real estate, like really what people should be focused on, in my opinion, and just being through this and in it for a long time is, um, you know, somebody that's an expert on the area is so critical because what's happening – what's going to happen as we see it no one has a crystal ball but you know what does somebody know what the plans for the area are around in, because price is one thing but um there's so many dynamics about a piece of real estate that are beyond just what you pay per square foot for it
0: sure what what's the future potential what's you know? the future
1: potential and you know i mean it's not across the board like Oh houses are going for this much per foot you know it's like where we are in Guthrie let's just say i mean i think we can all kind of feel pretty bullish on the fact that investing in our area is a pretty good idea right now yeah and people are going to continue to come this direction yeah um it's if you just kind of look at it on a map it's like yeah this is the natural flow of things as time goes and
0: do you feel it's one of those situations where the the city is growing and so it pushes the suburbs out or do you think there's that flock into the country to take advantage of lower you know land prices um you know sort of just get a foot in this new area that's that's undeveloped and untouched and you know just starting to grow
1: i think he said it there i mean there there's so much land that is, you know, undeveloped in this area that, uh, people can reasonably get up here and, you know, add inventory to it. And it's close into both highways and resources in Guthrie in town. And and that in turn is going to, uh, get things going. Um, you know, as far as people going, okay, I want to bring this business to Guthrie. Or, you know, there's so many more rooftops. And it, so it can only be good for uh, Guthrie as well. as. Are you seeing a lot by. of new
0: businesses coming into town?
1: Uh, beginning to. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and it's kind of fun to watch. And well, Being from here too, you're like, you're talking to someone that is operating a business here. And you're like, wow, you, you know, like you notice this place, you're here, yeah. you're excited about it. And it's pretty fun.
0: Yeah. It's kind of cool. Like I saw, you know, Paul at the barbershop down there, I talk mm-hmm. with him a lot about um sort of his experience coming into Guthrie and he's originally from Guthrie, but, you know, he was in the Marine Corps and, and lived in or outside of Los Angeles for a number of years. And so when he came back, it was still like, you know, like coming into a new town kind of. Yeah. Um, but he's had what seems like a great experience, uh, putting in the barbershop, the the grand old barbershop. It's a great place, by the way. Here's a little plug. If you're listening, go go to the barbershop. (laughs) Um, but, uh, we, we have a lot of conversations about people, you know, coming into town and, and looking to take advantage of the same, same thing on the resident or as on the residential side, they see lower building costs. Um, or they see, you know, a booming community and, and I think they're trying to get a foothold, you know, at that sort of the ground level and, as Guthrie continues to grow, they'll kind of become another staple of of the of the city.
1: Well, people that are from here seeing opportunities that are, are here, rather than feeling like they have to leave to find whatever it is they're looking for. I mean, it's only a good thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then, and yum yum Junction. So we got an ice cream shop now, uh, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been in there yet,
0: but I hear a lot of good things.
1: No, I do too, and I know Kara. I do yeah, I'm. That's pretty. Neat. And you know, just anything like that. You drive by there and there's people everywhere and that's, yeah. that's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. So in, uh, in real estate in Guthrie, you really only, only have, I, I think a few options, but as the population continues to grow, mm-hmm. I think you're seeing more like new blood in real estate coming to town. And so you, you, you're born and raised in the area. Yeah. And so you actually started exit in Guthrie, right? Right. So what did, what did that look like, you know, back then when you were just getting started in the real estate world here in Guthrie? I mean, I, I imagine it was just completely different than it is today.
1: Well, yeah, it, you know, one of the great things about real estate in Guthrie is, I mean, for one thing, there's a lot of good real estate agents concentrated in a pretty small area. Like when I started, uh, you know, I, I worked for a firm in Oklahoma City. And then when I had the opportunity to buy a franchise, move Exit Realty to Guthrie, it was Eight oh nine, Okay. And oh, so you were
0: just coming out of
1: uh, that yeah, big it, burst. Yeah. But there was, you know, I felt like there was an opportunity there, like to, you know, try to gain market share while a lot of other companies were maybe reserving and pulling back and being careful. But, um, you know, like from my front window, I could see two other real estate brokerages. Yeah. Experienced people. And I got to say that, um, you know, the cooperation that kind of exists in Guthrie real estate is pretty remarkable because, you know, everybody likes the town. Everybody kind of works together. There's enough of the pie for everyone. And I think it kind of served Guthrie well that, you know, most people know two or three or even more good realtors in the area. And so it learned. I, I learned really early on to like, um, you know, have a cooperative attitude and try to work for, you know, the betterment of the industry here. Rather than, okay, I want to beat this person or this person, you know, yeah. and so.
0: You always catch more flies with honey.
1: Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And, and so as we hired real estate agents and partnered with people going forward, that was one of the critical things we wanted to make sure we did is like, okay, is this person going to, you know, basically look after the community in, in a way that is. Are, are they aligned forward?
0: with your philosophies and your. Uh, yeah. sort of.
1: we're not, we're not here to mental. step on toes. There, there's no yeah. reason for it. Again, there is, you know, and it's a, it's an abundance thing. And, you know, as here we are right now, it's kind of like, um, there's so many more people that want to come here than there are houses available. So how do we solve that? And, um, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you call some of the other realtors in the area and say, Hey, I know what's available right now, but, what do you have coming up, you know, because here's what's happening. And so I've always appreciated the fact that the companies in this area work together so well. Definitely.
0: Have you, you said something, um, you know, there's, there's so many buyers in the marketplace, but we lack that, that supply. So, uh, is, is this the first time that you've seen a supply and demand issue like this accentuated in, in Guthrie specifically or?
1: Most definitely, and it—I mean and, and it exists everywhere. Everybody's kind of experiencing experiencing it. Um, you know, it has a lot to do with one. Um, there's so many more new houses that would normally be coming on the market. You know, 2020 and 2021, there was not nearly enough construction, and to keep up with that type of demand. Sure. And you know, there are also people that are like, "Okay, uh, this is the wrong time to move." us. I mean, we talk about all the people that are like, yeah, it's a great time to move. There's also those that are like, I'm going to hunker down right now and not, not going do anywhere. anything. And those might be people that normally would be adding inventory to the market. And so, you know, as, as people try to get in for the first time or are moving and, you know, want to take advantage of the good rates, there just aren't enough houses to, um, and I don't know if we see that loosening up uh, at all, you know, right now or not, because, uh, lumber is continually hard to get, uh, it's high.
0: Do you think, um, uh, so, and, and also I, I had read some stats on NAR's website about new construction and, mm-hmm. and how over the last decade post 2008, uh, we have built less than 50% of the new construction needed to keep up with, with growth. Yeah. And so we've got one of the biggest generations since the boomers, you know, we've got the millennials that are, you know, getting into their thirties and they're now in the marketplace. And, um, I guess, uh, I, I, say that because I wonder if, if that also is, is an additional factor that's contributing to the, to the supply issue, you know, yeah. cause we have, um, like you're saying, we don't, we haven't had enough new construction homes built. Right. So all we really have to show people are these, uh, existing homes, And, uh, I think that at least in my experience with, with millennials, especially those that have good income, good credit and everything, a lot of them aren't really looking for, you know, an older existing home. They're just thinking new construction, it's going to be less, you know, money in the short term, uh, in terms of like maintenance and repair and things like that. And, and they really are out there looking for these like ready-made, ready to move in nice new updated homes or, or, and, and they might consider an existing home from, you know, at Guthrie, we see a lot of stuff from 1930s, 1940s, sure. 50s um, if it's been fully renovated. And so um, do you like one of the things that, that I'm starting to do with, with my partner uh, who's a lender is we're going to start marketing a, a service to sellers for these older homes that maybe could use the updating, uh, where we'll actually come in and we'll front the renovation costs to maybe say fix a kitchen or put in some flooring, paint, things like that, that would really boost resale value. And, uh, and hopefully that can help these sellers earn a little bit more in the sale and position them better to, to find a house to move into. And I guess I kind of opened a few, a few doors there, but, Um, what are are your thoughts there?
1: Well, I, I think it's a good idea. One of the biggest barriers to buying an old house is, you know, the unknown or the fix up costs. And a lot of people get in and they've, I mean, if you've bought a house, you know how much closing costs are, you know what your down payment is. You may not after all that have 30 or 40 or 50,000 to renovate, um, your house if you're leveraging most of it. And so, you know and and people you know, like you said the millennial buyers they they like that unique aspect of the older home or yeah. the new neighborhood that may have you know not only a great neighborhood but other um amenities for the neighborhood yeah. that are kind of unusual, you yeah. know, and so that's what I think draws them to they're not afraid of the process they like the idea of being somewhat part of the design and the, yeah. the finishing, and so they you know but it's just been so hard for builders to keep up one for two, um, understand where their costs are going to be. Uh, there's just been a lot of barriers, you know, to, to cross. And so that's, that's an interesting,
0: that's an interesting point there because of the cost of materials and how those are fluctuating. Like we don't, we can't give you uh, a number that's set in stone that this is how much your house is going to cost if you're building new construction. So, like right. the,
1: There's got to be caveats. And, and that's what we're seeing some builders do is, you know, there'll be clauses in there like, okay, this is the agreement right now. But should things vary out of this, um, you know, it, things could escalate. Yeah. And, and here's how. And that's, you know, that's, nobody wants to play that game, really. No. Um, <laughs> and, you know, another thing is we're, I've been talking to some of our suppliers, is, okay, they were pretty pressed to begin with. And then the great weather we had in December, which we all kind of loved, it was like, okay, there wasn't much slowdown for, uh, the lumber producers to catch up. Yeah. Usually they can catch up a little bit in December. I didn't even think about that. But construction just kept rocking. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, and I remember back in November, I had had a few discussions with some new builders and, and they were saying, you know, uh, for, there was this one house I was looking at, a buyer was wanting a new construction and we were, trying to get the completion date, uh, out of the listing agent. And she was like, well, you know, it's, it's going to be probably early spring, you know, we're looking at March and, and I was like, man, that's kind of far out. And she was like, well, you know, we shut down for almost two months during the winter. That never happened. Right. I mean, Christmas, it was 70, you know, 72 degrees.
1: Don't you love when they give you a season? Like, when can we close on this? Probably spring. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Can we get more specific at all? Can you give me like a month? (laughs)
0: In spring. That's technically what, March, April, May? <laughs> I, it could be any of those. Man. So um, what what else is going on in, uh, in the real estate world right now?
1: Well, you know, something else that we see and, you know, include you somewhat in that conversation is we see just a, a huge amount of people entering the real estate business as yeah. realtors, yeah. which is kind of exciting on the one hand for me. Um, is so many people that really are, are talented to, um, you know, just like what we're doing right now. I mean, um, to bring that to the real estate industry is kind of exciting and people have just come from other industries. Some people are doing that along with something else. And I mean, on the one hand, it's tough. It's tough to crack in with so many people, um, doing this, but, um, it is exciting in that people that whether they want to, you know, just have a little more control, start their own business or whatever. Um, I'm talking to more people than ever about, you know, just getting into this industry to sell yeah. real estate, sell commercial real estate, develop whatever. Yeah. So that's kind I- of exciting.
0: I see and hear about a bunch of people, you know, signing up for classes to get their real estate yeah. license. I actually had a, so I had started doing more video after the first of the year and I had mm-hmm. posted a few things to TikTok and my cousin who lives in Hawaii follows me and he sent me a message and he said, Hey man, I, I love the videos you're making. This is really cool. And uh, I said, you know, thanks. I appreciate it. And he said, by the way, I just got my license. And for some reason, I didn't even think real estate. I, I was like, and he, "I was like, he's old enough to have his driver's license. What, what ah. license did he get? <laughs> so I responded back and I said, what, what kind of license? And he's he's like, real estate, that's where it's at right now. And I, I just kind of had that like aha moment, like when he said, that's where it's at right now. I think these young entrepreneurial people or people that you're like, you're saying, want to have some control over their day-to-day or their business, their income. They're seeing real estate as like an obvious career field.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, and I don't, I don't know how I personally feel about that. Cause I think some people have this like misnomer that, you know, you get your real estate license and you're going to instantly, you know, be making right. a couple hundred grand a year. And I think uh, a lot of, especially young people don't understand how much of a like customer facing role it is. Yeah. And, and the work that has to go in before you can earn a dollar, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing the same sort of thing.
1: Well, I think the thing is people will figure out that being a real estate agent is solving problems. You know? Yes. Nothing more. Listening to it, whether, where they got turned on by the real estate business will probably dictate how long they last because if they saw something that was You know, people driving around in fancy cars or doing things or, you know, it's not that at all. It's meeting people on, you know, a human level that is really stressful for them. And if you're not ready for that and ready to take their problems and study them and, you know, kind of make them your own and like, okay, we're going through this together till we, um, you know, get you where you need to be, whatever it is. Selling, buying, moving the far away or not, getting people closer. Hey, um, a lot I, of the things that aren't that interesting to, you know, it, it doesn't really. I think people, once they get in it and spend six months in it, they realize it's not what they thought at all. It's boring. Yeah.
0: You know, like it's it's not like H D T V you know, it's not. It's, there's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. There's a lot of phone calls Yeah, and, and there's a lot of uh, what I've found is I feel like people don't want to be sold to yes. they, or they don't want to feel sold to. And so there's a lot of getting to know people yeah. and, and like identifying, you know, what their objectives or goals are in home buying or getting their house sold. And then, you know, to speak to what you're saying, your, your job is really advising them and, yeah. and helping them find creative solutions to whatever their issue is.
1: Well, for sure. And, you know, I'm it, in my mind, and this, you know, may, people may not like me saying, this, especially in our business, but you look at what nurses and teachers and people are going through right now, I think the sort of the ego that exists in real estate or the flamboyance or whatever, I'm not sure people are all that interested in that. You know, I don't think so. Like either. when they need you, they need you. They need you to do the job. Yeah. They really don't. You know, yeah, care about what you're doing outside of that or making yourself <laughs> kind of into some kind of celebrity, they really just need you to help them, yeah, with their real estate needs. And if you can do that and you're all in and doing that, um, you're going to be fine. And that, those are the type of folks that I think our company kind of attracts,
0: yeah, very much so. We, we've got a good group in the office, yeah. I, I don't, there's not a single person that I can think of that isn't there with the right attitude you know they're they're there to help people and you know find unique solutions and, and you know get the job done I don't think we have anyone there that's like you know the the 80s era like hustler you know kind of kind of person
1: well you know like and, and I'm gonna date myself a little bit but when I started the the business cards um, people would print on their million dollar producer yeah <laughs> and I thought oh, wow you know I'm sitting here talking you know, sitting at a desk next to a millionaire. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I got issued an award that said you're in a million dollar producer. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) This is is it? (laughs) Like, no, everything you sold added up to a million dollars. You you made like 20, (laughs) but yeah. So it's just funny how, how much we puff it up into something that it really isn't. But
0: well, I think in the past it, you had to like, especially if you were in sales, you really had to project this air air of, you know, uh, success and, and wealth and money. like, you know, I made it, I'm doing it. I'm good at sales. Yeah. Um, but I don't think people like I don't think the clients about that anymore. You know, I, no. I think they want to know, like, are you competent? Yeah. Can you get the job done the way I want it done? And, and that more than anything, I think is the differentiating factor.
1: Yeah. Are you interested in what my family's going through and can yeah. you help us take yeah. care of what we're trying to do? Yeah. Other than that, we don't really care exactly. about the exactly. rest of it. <laughs> so,
0: you know, it's interesting. Um, it's almost the same thing in, in reverse right now that that I've noticed um, with with clients a lot because I have talked with a lot of agents and you know they'll be talking about a buyer that they're working with that is just this you know this. Headache. I hate, I don't want to talk to anyone or talk about anyone like they're a headache. But you know, they'll be like, yeah. "Gosh, I can't." You know, I can't find them the right thing. They're so picky about this, so picky about that. You know, I, this and that. And um, one of one of my sort of philosophies or, or things that I decided early on was that I don't want to work with people that don't want to work with me.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think people, like on the other side, our clients, feel the same way. Like they don't want to work with someone that doesn't vibe well with them or, or doesn't share their same philosophies. And, and so I think we're starting to see that too. Like people are more choosing who to work with. They're not just picking the best or someone that looks or seems like they're good at it. They, they're, you know, choosing someone that they can vibe with and and get along with.
1: Well, how great is it? I mean, there are a ton of options out there for the public to pick. I mean, you have any plethora of, of people out there that you could select. It's good to select a lot. I mean, to talk to a lot of people like, okay, who can i work with who yeah. who speaks the same language that i do you know? so do you think there's still a lot of a lot of interviewing going on like no i don't sell, no okay no it, it you know as a whole real estate hasn't done a really great job of you know communicating with the public about one what you should expect from the realtor i don't think a lot of times people really know you know like no. how many times the the term that was always kind of eye opening uh, about that was well like you said earlier, I feel like I need to use my, you know, wife's niece. She just got a license. I mm-hmm. feel like I need to use the, almost like it really didn't matter, it, you know, yeah. who it is. So they've I got a license to sell election. real estate, and in a lot of cases, I mean, it's fair to say there there may be a lot of people that it really doesn't matter. They're just going to do one single thing. They may not be particularly trained that well. That's been another problem for the real estate business. Is Sometimes is, you're going to bump into people that really don't know any more than you do about this.
0: You know, that was a big thing for me uh, because before I got into real estate, I spent a lot of time researching just the yeah. industry as a whole. And, um, and I have sales in my background, so I kind of knew like the sales and people side of it. But I, I had to learn real estate as a whole and the markets and everything. But one of the things that drove me to exit was uh, sort of the conversations that we had had. Um, about like the training and, and mm-hmm. sort of the interaction that I could have with you as a broker right. w- that you don't find at some of these other brokerages, you know, you might have a, uh, an office that has a hundred agents and, you know, one broker and people, I mean, if you said, Hey, who's your broker? Uh, you know, they, they almost don't know, right. uh, or, and if they do, they, they most likely don't have access on a day-to-day basis to, to that broker. And so it's made a huge difference for me being able to pick up the phone and call if I have an issue or something that I've needed help with. And not a lot of agents I think have that sort of support.
1: No, they don't. And, you know, it it just kind of a, a sign of the times as, you know, as people love to get into this industry, there are places that really are just like, tries to beget as many people as they can into, a company, and you know, you kind of loosely call it a company because they're a group of independent contractors that don't know one another. And you know, there you yeah. are. I mean, I—it's just such an important thing, you know, a yeah. home sale, a home buy. Yeah. And you know, pretty early on in my career, I felt like I enjoyed um, teaching people how to do this more than actually doing it. I loved my time out there on the streets running around till. Nine, ten, eleven 11 at night and trying to put deals together. But, um, you know, I had mentors when I was coming in and, you know, I always looked up to them and I thought, man, if I can be that for other people, that's, that's kind of fun for me. And, um, uh, you know, yeah. to, to get people in and watching them succeed and get better and, you know, like, yeah. like what you're doing right now. I mean, you started six months ago and, you know, seven, now, seven months ago, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but you know, now as, you do the things that you were taught that you knew how to do that you found your own lane and you know, here you are, you've got a lot of people you're working with helping. And I mean, that's, that's pretty rewarding for us. Um, you know, you think so? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, Veda, um, you know, my business partner in, in exit, uh, she's kind of the same way. It's kind of like, you know, how rewarding is it to see people begin their own business and watch it grow and um, cause you know, that's kind of everybody's dream in some way. There's a little business owner inside them that is yeah. like, can I do that? And yeah. what a good place to start real estate is, you know, is I think that. that's,
0: that's like a critical question that I think a lot of people ask themselves before they take that leap and, and mm. go out as a business owner, as, a, as an independent contractor, they ask themselves, like, can I really do this? Can I make this work? Oh yeah. And dude, it was terrifying. Well, and I've been an independent contractor for a while, but when I first like left a full-time job to go chase these, these paychecks and projects and everything, I was like, there's no guarantee that I'm paying rent tomorrow, you know, or or next week or whenever. Um, Do you feel like that's something that holds back a lot of these agents that are, that are part-time from going full-time as they kind of feel that lack of like security
1: and and income? No doubt. And I mean... It'll humble you, real estate. Will and you've got to have some self awareness. Like, okay, there are some people that should be a, a part of the team. You know, mm-hmm. like their skills yeah. are really um, in a lane that um, you know might be good if somebody else did another thing as part of the business. Yeah. The faster you can figure that out, the better. I think one thing that is problematic in our business. Now, don't get me wrong; there are plenty of people that do this really, really well, multitasking. But people that are, uh, you know, have other careers in addition to real estate. And if you're serving clients and you're not available to them, um, it's an issue. Well, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. For anybody, you, you, yeah. you're only one person and you can only be at one place at yeah. a time. And I think that's something that on the brokerage level should be, you know, better controlled is, hey, if I turn you loose on the public, are you going to answer the phone? Exactly. Are you going to, you know, because a lot of times, you know, things are time sensitive. Yeah. And, you know, especially in this
0: market, when you've got things that stay on the market for,
1: you know, two, three, five days, two seconds and and get people, uh, you know, they may have to do a lot of things to make ends meet. And, um, you know, but uh, we just got to be real careful about that. And, and as a consumer, you need to ask some questions. Again, yeah. I know a lot of people that are wearing two hats, and uh, some of them do them really well. Some don't. Yeah. And you know, if you're hiring a realtor, you don't want to find out when you're in the foxhole that um, you're not going to be able to get this, this is their first sale. The yeah, <laughs> or, you know, I <laughs> need your undivided attention, and I'm not going to get it till after five. That's yeah. a problem.
0: You know what? That just reminded me of uh, this. One time I was calling around, uh, I was working with a buyer and they sent me a property that they saw on Zillow and they asked if they could go look at it. And so I, you know, pull it up on the MLS, find out who the listing agent is. I call and it goes to voicemail. So I send a text and I just said, you know, Hey, we're interested in seeing this house. Um, you know, can we get in this afternoon or, or whatever it was? And she responded and, and said, uh, it'll have to be after five. That's when I get off work. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, for real,
1: yeah,
0: because like as a seller, someone's selling your home, would you want an agent that's gonna basically decline a showing because some you know that work? I you know? Would. no, you want someone that like lives and breathes
1: this stuff? you want somebody that's engaged, yeah. and I think you're entitled to that the you know the pay in most cases is um." it's certainly worth getting someone's undivided attention. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So what would you recommend to someone like a new agent that's coming in where they're kind of on the precipice of going full time? Like what advice would you give them as someone that's been in it for as long as you have?
1: Well, and this, I'm going to take this from one of my mentors, uh, uh, Bob McKinnon, but, uh, you know, he said most people will spend more time planning a vacation than they will their real estate career. It's like, you know, plan ahead. Yeah. Be, you know, be shrewd about your time and what you're going to do. How much time am I going to devote to this? And how much money is it going to cost me mm-hmm. uh, to get going? I mean, if you were opening, we were talking about an ice cream store earlier or, or anything, you would put pencil to paper. Yeah. Um, I don't think people in real estate a lot of times do that. They they get swept away with the movement of, oh, look at, you know, all these houses, look at what's going on. I want to dive into this. I really want to work hard and they all have good intentions. It's like, I really want to work hard. I'll do whatever it takes. But they have no idea what that is, you know, and they may be limited on whether they can even do that. They may only have uh, a month's worth of savings in the bank if that and you could be fantastic and still not be able to last. Yeah. You know, you write a real estate deal. In a lot of cases, it's going to be 45 days to, uh, you know, even close it.
0: And then how long does it take you to actually get that deal? How long does it take you to get that contract? It's going to you know? take you some
1: time. It's yeah. going to take you some time to penetrate the market and say, hey, everyone, this is what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we try to do that with people that come on. It's like, Okay, let's sit down immediately and okay, let's let's figure out how we are going to brand you, market you. Who are you? Yeah. Why are people going to be interested in working with you? And I mean you got to do that quickly. Yeah. And
0: f- figure out your your role in in all of this.
1: For and- sure, and to kind of identify what problems cuz we don't want to bring anybody on that isn't going to be successful and, you know, if 90 days into the real estate career, they're going to have hardships Uh, At home or, you know, with uh, the bank or whoever. I mean, be smart. I always love when people come into the business and said, yeah, I started a business before I was in this industry. Like, okay, so you get it. You know what starting a business is like. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. It's tough. And it takes
0: time. Yeah. Not just time, you know, like it takes time to learn the market or time time to learn how to write a contract. It takes time out of your day. Like you have to devote time to it. And that's that's maybe one of the biggest things that I've seen since I've been in real estate with new agents is they, you know, spend a couple hours here and there showing a house and doing whatever. And then the rest of the time is, you know, normal off day type stuff. Yes. And I, I think that's a big surprise for people when they get started and, and realize like, oh, shoot, like I need to spend 12 hours a day yeah. getting this stuff done, you know, right. because uh, I, I think you, you put in or you get out of it, what you put in. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think if you're trying to break through from a part-time, you know, sales position to do this full time and really, you know, devote the time and energy necessary to make a living for yourself and support your family and, and beyond that, earn enough living to hopefully help support your community and, and those, you know, around you, you have to invest that time to, you know, every day to get to that point.
1: You do that. And, and, the public's entitled to a salesperson that's not strapped for cash. To I mean, like, you know, they someone that's secure in their own investments and their own. They, you need somebody that can really guide you. And I mean, we've all been there. We've all gotten started. We've all been in situations like, okay, I need this sale really bad. You oh, know, yeah. I I'm hopeful that we can, you know, get something done. But that's not a, a strategy moving forward. Like, you're not going to well, offer it, it, and do your best work if you are you know, under that kind of pressure.
0: No. And, and even more, if, if you are strapped for cash, you're more inclined to make poor decisions that affect this person's purchase.
1: Your eyes are on the ball.
0: Hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I completely agree.
1: Yeah. You got to have your eye on the ball and you know, that takes time. Let's face it. It's not going to happen day one, but you need to be at a place or, you know, talking to realtors now. You need to be with a company that understands where you are, understands where you're trying to go, and, you know, is willing to help you check in with you to help you get there. Because, you know, gosh, we we don't want anybody in their home sale or home buy that has a bad experience. I mean, that's real estate, as many realtors as there are, and there's a ton, it's still a small community in, like, what everybody's working for. But for the most part, people are just you know, want to help people, you know, buy and sell real estate. Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah. I think you said something earlier about having a a brokerage, like as an agent, having a brokerage that will sit and help you, um, define your identity as a realtor, you know, like Mm -hmm. what, what skills do you bring to the industry, uh, that are unique to you, uh, what experience do you have that's unique to you? And how can you, um, frame all of that in a way that benefits the, the client or the, yeah. the public? And, uh, you know, having these sort of conversations with you when I first got started kind of instilled these ideas about, you know, like starting a podcast, starting a YouTube channel, trying to think outside of the box and use some of my past experience in film to, um, uh, build something that's unique in my market because I don't see people in my market doing a lot of, you know, podcasts or or things like this, but it's such a great way to reach more people and to, uh, you know, kind of tell your story and, and show people who you are and, and, uh, show them that you're competent and this is your business. Right. And so that's something that I've been really, um, kind of gearing up and, and trying to steer everything that way is, you know, like, take advantage of, of who I am and, and the experience and know how that I already have to to be um you know that that gives me a, a value proposition that not every real estate agent in the area has.
1: Well for you know to give people the opportunity to get to know you before they call you to have a visit in their living room. Yeah. And um you know and I can tell you people like Craig is, you know having a conversation with you like he would anybody and i think it's i think it's good that you know like i said the background that you have to use that to communicate to anybody that you know might be interested either now or way off in the future of maybe being a real estate one but also just hey what does it look like for me to invest in a piece of property or i have a property and you know, maybe I want to get into rentals, or maybe I want to get into commercial property. You know, I mean, as realtors, we know nobody owns enough real estate. Everybody needs to have a little bit more. Absolutely. But, um, you know, what a good opportunity to learn a few things about what's going on in the market, but also to meet, you know, a guy like you that's just, you know, all into real estate. And, you know, almost any time, I know that you're ready to jump in and uh, go have a cup of coffee with somebody and talk to them about what they want to do. And that's, That's really what it's all about is, you know, listening to people's goals because they're all different. You know, everybody's real estate goal is different. Yeah. And, you know, definitely not a one size fits all, which is why we love it. You know, every day is completely different with a different set of circumstances with different people.
0: And, you know, it's such uh, it's a unique set of skills that you have to have uh, because you're you're not only, you know, operating a business every day. Um, but like you say, you know, you've got to be ready to jump out there and go talk with someone, not sell them, but talk with them, you know, at a moment's notice and, uh, be able to give your opinion and advise them on, on what they're trying to do. Um, but then you also need to, because like we, like on the deal maintenance side of things, there's so many um, you know, cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Cause right. you you're working with lending and you've got title and you know, you've got insurance agents and you know, then you've got the client, co-borrowers, you know, parents, co signers. There's a bunch of stuff and you're kind of quarterbacking the whole thing.
1: That's it.
0: And so you've you've really got to have a pretty diverse set of skills to be successful.
1: Well, you do. And we go back to that ego thing. You know, there's no room in a real estate deal for ego because what, what you said is is right. You kind of have to be the stagecoach driver for everything that they're going to need. I mean, there's going to be repairs. There's going to be borrowing needs, whatever. There's going to be moving type things. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you have enough experience or have access to the experience, they're going to ask you a question that is like, hey, we we're thinking about this, you know, can we do this? Uh, it's it's good if you can give them a couple of options. You can tee up a couple of options for them. I think that's what people want, you know. You don't make the decision for them or say, you know, well, I've sold 100 houses, so, you know, they they don't care about that. Again, yeah. that you're talking about what they're doing. Yeah, you can't Again.
0: say this is how it's done. So, let's This, do it this is way. how it's
1: done. This is how we've always done it. I mean, anybody well, that says it, that is it should be ostracized because yeah, <laughs> it's it changes real. all the time. And I think one of the things too is you talk to realtors that that are constantly learning, um, you know. Those are the type that you know are humble enough to know that it's constantly changing, and they're constantly learning. No matter if they're at the top of the market, you know, that's the person you want to work with. Like, yeah, okay, I I don't want to make a knee jerk decision because I this is what I've done ten, twenty years ago. Uh, it could be completely irrelevant at this point you know
0: yeah that's a good point even if you've been in the business for 20 or 30 years you've got to have that ability to recognize um, history past decisions yeah. and and how that played out in the real world and and be able to you know change that decision-making process on the fly or adapt to, you know, how the market is now or what this particular set of set of circumstances is.
1: You do. And it's hard because, I mean, you know, anybody that might be listening to this that works for our company, they'll be like, Oh yeah. Cause I'll say, well, back in 07 or back <laughs> in, I mean, I make the same mistake. Anybody does and you know, and I got to catch myself. I'm like, look, it's, this is not no. that time. No. This is not the same type of people. It's completely different. It's Man. good to know and remember the bloody noses you've gotten, but it doesn't mean that that needs to dictate moving forward. No. I mean, you you got to have your eyes on the landscape as it is. Yeah.
0: Well, and and um, I think you you've also like in oh or, or in oh eight, I think the smart agents were the ones that maybe had some relationships with local banks and, you know, uh, actually, yeah, local banks. And so when you started seeing all these foreclosures come, uh, you know, the banks needed to sell the property. And so they would hand them to these agents that they had a good relationship with. And so I feel like being able to, um, you know, create relationships with not just the clients, but, people like local banks, lenders, you know, president of, you know, FNM or bank first or whatever, you know, these people and you build relationships, you help them and, and they sort of reciprocate by when there's say a change in the market, that's as dr- dramatic as 07, 08. Yeah. And now you've got all these REO properties, right. someone's got to sell them, you know, and, and you've positioned yourself uh, to provide those solutions for the banks now. And so I guess the point I'm getting at is that as, as an agent, you've got to, uh, remember the things that happened or, or pay attention to the history in the, in the industry, but, um, and, and also, I guess, be willing to, and able to adapt, you know, on a, in a moment's notice.
1: I, you know, I think a lot of what shaped, you know, my attitude towards real estate were, um, you know, those times when, you know, it wasn't quite a bank thing yet. It was a situation where someone would call and say, look, I'm in danger of falling a little behind here. And how do I, how do I take care of this? You know, I mean, talk about a big role you play in that. Can we help them get rid of this house that maybe they paid a little too much for? You know, back in those days, somebody might borrow 110% of sale price to roll all their closing costs in and maybe a uh, carpet for a couple of rooms. It was, it was madness. So you
0: get into the house underwater, 10%, 15%.
1: no question, and then you're going to have selling costs moving forward. Oh my god! And you know you're not going to have that type of equity. But there were there were plenty of people that were like, "Look, we want to sell this house, and we see what's coming down the pike for us." And you know we worked with them, and that was that was hard work because you know so many times we're taking pictures with people that are so excited about buying their house, and it's great. Um, there were so many sales that were really tough, and when you left the closing table, it was relief you know for them yeah. for you and, and
0: like nowadays it's excitement because sellers are closing and they're getting a check yeah but back then they might not have been getting anything right and, and so it was just they may that. have been
1: bringing money oh my god and in, in a lot of cases they were relieved to be able to do that because you know that that follows you that you're you know your credit yeah your, you know if you've had a bankruptcy <laughs> Happened yeah. to so many people. It's, yeah. it's certainly nothing that anyone should, uh, because those were tough times. And, and there, were, there were people out there that were doing some pretty unsavory things, too. They were, I mean, they were knocking doors or calling and saying, hey, why don't you refinance your house? Um, you know, pay off your credit cards. And uh, there were a lot of things out there that I think a lot of that's been cured now. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's why we're in so much better shape now than we were then is a lot of people were getting loans back then that shouldn't have been getting them.
0: I'll tell you, I've, I've got a story from 07 when I bought my first house. It was very much like that. And I don't know why, but I didn't use an agent. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, it was a new build and, uh, they, they had someone in the office that, uh, kind of coordinated the whole thing, went through the paperwork and everything. And so I just didn't, never even dawned on me that right. I should try and get an agent and that, you know, the person selling me, with, selling me the house and doing all the paperwork was also the person that would benefit from the sale. Right. And uh, so there are a few things I remember about this. One was that I remember when I was going through my finances with the the loan officer, I, we were talking about this car that I had just bought. And I remember the payment was like just over 400 bucks, which was a lot, yeah. especially, you know, for me back then. And they were, they were saying, well, we can clear that off of your credit. We'll just roll it. We can roll it into the house. And, uh, you know, then that way you don't have to have that monthly payment. It's just included in your mortgage. And I'll tell you as, uh, cause I bought that house when I was 18, as an 18 year old first time home buyer that is like super excited about the, you know, the opportunity to own property when someone says like, Oh, Hey, we can save you that $400 a month payment. We can just roll it into this loan. Right. And, and you're like, yeah, oh yeah, that sounds great. And <laughs> thank God <laughs> I didn't end up doing it. Cause I actually, I had to sh- short sale that house. Because it was on an arm, an adjustable rate mortgage. And I got in at, uh, I want to say it was 6% was the the FHA first time home buyer, you know, rate. And uh, then the rate was locked for six months. And after that, it could fluctuate. And this is the crazy thing. I know banks put regulation now on arms and how much they can adjust in a, I forget what they call it, but in that period. Yeah. I don't know if they did back then because I remember my rate went from six to like 19 and a half, like overnight. And it took my it almost doubled, or maybe it did double my payment. But I remember my, my payment was right there, like at the very, very top of my comfort zone as it was. And so I really couldn't afford any more. And I remember getting this, you know, statement in the mail saying, you know, in 14 days when my payment was due. Uh, it was going to be this because Mm. the interest rate, you know, went from this to this. And I was like, there's no way in hell I can pay that. Right. And I I had reached out to the bank and really their only thing was, uh, well, just don't, don't pay it, you know, pay it when you can. And you know, you get, you get caught up. And I think I had three months that I could not make a payment before they would start the foreclosure process. Mm. And so I had I had done that for maybe the first two months. And in my head I thought, well, I'll just I'll work really hard and I'll make up those two months, you know, before it gets foreclosed on. But you get down that road. Oh yeah. And then you're like, well, how you know, I couldn't afford the twenty five hundred dollar a month payment. And how can I afford to pay five grand and then I'll have another one due in a couple of weeks and it's quicksand. It There's is no... it's quicksand. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so I ended up having to I got out of that quick, literally walked away from it because there's nothing you can do. And this was in Las Vegas. And man, it was like every other house. Oh yeah. Was getting foreclosed on. And everyone was, it was like this mass exodus. Everyone left Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. uh, property prices tanked. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was rough.
1: Yeah. You see that. And, and, you know, people remember that too. And I mean, you know, what we're seeing in prices right now, some people in the back of their minds are thinking, is there a real estate bubble that's, you know, are you little-
0: getting that question a lot right now? Cause I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, all you can really do is point out the differences between now and then now, you know, it's up to each individual person. Like you look at this investment itself and like, if you're looking at your home solely for, Oh, I think this is going to appreciate this much per year that, that's not a reason to buy a house, you know. I mean, like you read any Kiyosaki, he says that's yeah. It, that's not why you buy a house. Yeah, you know. Um, it, for one thing, we don't know. I mean, yes, prices are higher than they have been, and you know, we were getting the bubble question two years ago, and you know, there are people Look that have happens. paid. Uh, you know, 145 bucks a foot for a house that's now selling for 165. And so, you know, anything you really say, you really don't know for sure. But I think yeah. as long as there's a shortage of houses, there's still, lenders have tons of pre-qualifications out of people that are looking. Oh, yeah. They're sitting on the sidelines because maybe, you know, they made a few offers over the summer and missed them, multiple offers. Uh, those, those but if are the right house comes along, they'd and be there. willing to pull the trigger. And if there was just more houses available. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be good to evaluate once the supply and demand evens out, even a little bit, and I don't think we're anywhere close, then we'll know, okay, um, you know, there may be a correction coming or not, but right now people want houses that just aren't there.
0: And I think about this all the time, and I I wonder, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I wonder if it's Multifaceted, or if if the rates are really the primary driver, because the rates like have never been this low. Yeah. And uh, granted, they've they've come back up over the last twelve months. Um, so they're but they're still in the high twos. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got decent credit, you're going to be high twos, low threes. And so, uh, and, and then I think we're also hitting this point in the U.S. and uh, with with my generation where. Despite everything that's going on worldwide right now, there's a lot of wealth floating around. I For mean, sure. uh, the average U.S. Uh, savings account grew like 19% last year, which is which is incredible. And Americans right now have the highest dollar amount in savings that we've ever had.
1: And That's amazing.
0: I mean, it's despite everything going on right now and all the panic. Yeah. Americans are in a really good position financially right now, I think, as, as uh, not everyone, but, you know,
1: well, comparatively, and that's what, you know, it's kind of like, um, you always want to remember that, um, you know, we live in pretty much the greatest place that's ever existed, you know, is, are there problems, of course, but, yeah. um, you know, compared to so many places you go or can see, and, um, you know, we're in a business that's thriving right now, you know, so many are kind of on shaky ground and, um, you know, it's tough to navigate the, uh, you know, the pandemic with, you know, some, and it's hard to know because if you have asked me early on how much it was going to affect real estate, I would have said, I think people may hold off because, you know, showing houses, visiting houses, moving, it, people may just wait. And, and the opposite was true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it, it says a lot about, you know, Oklahomans for one thing and Americans is like, you know what? I'm going to evaluate this and you know, pivot, yeah, do whatever needs to be done and yeah, um, they,
0: they sort of analyze the risk or the potential risk and I think in Oklahoma, we all kind of ha- have had the, this general consensus that we're not just going to stop living life, right? You know, like we're still going to do we're going to live. And and I think that's like a really important choice that I think y- for the most part, the community made together. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, everyone's different and has different beliefs and ideologies. And so there's, there's still that same sort of thing that's going on in the rest of the country, but I feel like it's a lot less dramatic here, uh, because everyone, we don't want to be shut up and cooped in our houses and, and afraid all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, like we, we want to continue living life. And despite what the news tells you, it's a freaking great time to be alive.
1: You know, it is. And, and, you know, I think, people you know maybe that aren't familiar with people that are from here will say well they just don't care or that they actually people take care of one another in this area better than almost anywhere else and so i think people are considerate and they are uh, you know um you know people people look after one another around here and it yeah it um it, it might not be in a fashion where uh, the government you know they <laughs> don't take their walking orders from the government Um, you know, makes them look defiant. But really, I think they've kind of got it figured out. And that's why it's so crazy that, you know, people that might be different politically are moving here too in droves. And it kind of makes you wonder like, okay, are they ready to be freed up a little bit? Or
0: Well, it's interesting. When you look at the uh, the, um, uh, flight pattern Mm -hmm. of people moving over the last 12 or 24 months, you see it's all coming from... Uh, not to get political, but from blue states to red states. Yeah. You see people, you know, sort of making these great exodus from California, Oregon, Washington, New York, Pennsylvania, and they're going to Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, um, you know, Arizona, Nevada. Yeah. And it seems counterintuitive. It, but yeah. is that a reflection of how people, you know, really feel? Like,
1: well, I think in, in some cases, people are like, okay. I'm at a point now like, yes, I do believe this, but I also have to go out and make a living, you know? And I don't know um, who those people are, but I've talked to some that moved here. Like I have to get on with life. I have things, I have obligations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do I want to just put everything on hold? uh, No. And so, you know, some of those changes are just absolutely mandatory for family. And, you know, a lot of families are just getting closer together. And, uh, you know, I think that's cool. I, we go back to that. We already kind of, said it, but, um, you know, generations all moving into the same neighborhood or general area or plot of land. It almost goes back, you know, full circle to when the country was born. It's like, yeah. you know, people are, yeah are doing Staying that again, close to
0: family. And for sure. That's kind of cool. I yeah. like that. I like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think's going to, what are we going to see in real estate in the next, say, Twelve months, like what? What's twenty twenty two going to be like?
1: Well, uh, this might not be all that exciting, but in in my personal opinion, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, there's going to be um, not quite enough houses. Uh, I think builders are going to do their best to catch up.
0: Do you think you're going to see rise prices continue to rise, or do you think they'll stabilize a little bit and and sort of just ride that high?
1: I personally think that they'll stabilize. They'll still go up a little bit, but not to the extent that they have been. And part of that'll be due to rising interest rates. There are there is going to be high threes, low fours this year. I think it just has to be. If you look at, um, you know what's happening nationally and everything, inflation. inflation the, the rates are going to go. up, Which anybody that's you know like my first interest rate was seven percent, and everybody told me that was wonderful because they yeah. knew eighteen percent. So. Four's still good, but if the prices continue to climb, I mean, let's face it, that does limit the buying power that people have. I mean, yeah. it, it affects the payment so much. So, um, what one one point in
0: interest takes your buying power down ten grand, right, or yeah. so, something like that? It's
1: going to be something in it that. Might, that it, might
0: even be, it might be more than that.
1: So, you know, if you're out there thinking about the move, and even if you don't have a house you want to look, that's something that, I mean, realtors have done a good job convincing the public they're too busy to you know, to just have a conversation like, look, I'm not moving right now, but, you know, tell me what should I be thinking about if maybe I'd like to move this year? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, lock arms and and start working on it together. And so that three months from now, when that thing pops up that you really like, everybody is in lockstep, you know?
0: And that's such an important thing, I think, for the public to know and and also for a lot of agents to realize. Mm -hmm. And it's something that kind of smacked me in the face because I've got, a lot of buyers that I'm working with and the inventory either isn't there or it's not the right inventory. Mm-hmm. And so because I, I happen to work with some out of state buyers too. Like I've got this one couple in California. They're moving out and, and I've got them set up on an auto search in the MLS and they they'll get these new listings sent out to them and um nothing has popped up that is checking their boxes. And right. so she emailed me the other day and, and said, you know what? Maybe we're looking in the wrong area uh because i'm not seeing what i want, you know, pop up. And you just kind of have to remind them that, you know, it's it might be a couple months, you know, before the one pops up, yeah. but the the important thing is that we're ready to move on it when it does. Yeah. You know, and and just be in a position like you said, you'd be in lockstep, you got the lender looped in, you got kind of everything ready to roll when the right one does pop up.
1: Absolutely. And and, you know, and have the discussion. Okay, when this hypothetical house comes, what's our strategy on our offer? What are we going to yeah. do? What, you know, you don't want to draw up the plays when you're out there. You know, like yes. have something figured out ahead of time. You're like, okay, these are not going to be big things to us. These are um, as we're negotiating this. What's realistic for us to expect? Because, you know, we've all had it to where none of these conversations have been had, and then you're having this discussion with your agent while you're in the middle of the deal. And guess what? You think. Well, this guy just wants to uh, protect his deal. Yeah, um, you know, you haven't mm. built the trust. Uh, you know, as, as realtors, I think we all hope that we're someone's realtor for life, their kids' realtor. they the yeah. you know, that's the type of business we all want to build. But uh, do we talk to one another except when we're doing real estate deals? Maybe not enough. You know, and yeah. you can't you can't have your shared goals, um, you know, discussed if if you don't. Just do that's it. A,
0: that's a really good point because I, I've always sort of looked at a, you know, and I hate to look at these as transactions. Yeah. Um, which is why I keep saying relationships over transactions. Right. Um, but I keep looking at that transaction as like, I, I'm going to nurture this and I'm going to take care of this. And and one day, um, you know, I'll, I'll find them the right house and I'll work a good deal and, and we'll make it happen. And then in, in my mind, I think, you know, a year two, I mean however long it takes, eventually if I build that rapport and I add enough value to the client, they're gonna reciprocate and they'll send me someone. Or or when they're ready to sell again, you know, they'll they'll call me or or whatever it is. I think one good relationship in real estate is worth 10 transactions. Yeah. And I mean by that math, every one is worth a hundred.
1: You know, it's just well for sure, and it and it just requires one thing that we ought to be doing, which is providing value all the time. Yes. you know, they've been in their house six months. You know that they're not moving, but guess what? You could do send them a little information about what's going on in their neighborhood. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. is that going to uh, get you somewhere within thirty days' time, uh, as far as the transactions concerned? No, probably not. But, but which that's is not why what it's most. About. Yeah, that's why most people don't do it. Like, okay, they're checked off the list. When, yeah. what a mistake! Yeah, you know, they're checked
0: off the list. No one's ever checked off the list. No, <laughs> you know?
1: no. I mean, you're missing the best part. They're enjoying the home that you helped them find, yeah. and you vanish. Um, yeah. What, what a what a bad idea! <laughs> <laughs> it is a bad idea.
0: Huh? So, 2022, we're gonna see uh, prices hopefully stabilize a little bit. I think we both agree we're gonna see buyers continue to be in the marketplace almost waiting in line for the right thing to pop up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, to battle inflation rates will rise a little bit and, yeah. uh, we'll probably see s- buyers either adjust the price range that they're looking in or, or maybe put, um, you know, plans to, to purchase on hold for a little bit or, or maybe, maybe not. But what do you think is going to happen on the seller's side? Um, do you think that, as we start to see prices stabilize, we'll see more uh, people choose to list their homes or, or get ready to
1: list? Or, uh, I mean, that's our hope, you know, that, that that kind of thing will happen with rates being up. You know, something that periodically in a market you'll see is people will opt to refinance their loans mm-hmm. uh, rather than move. Well, that's not going to be something probably that's going to be an issue on that side of it. Um, you just hope they don't go up so much that it's a situation where it's like, boy, I hate to w- walk away from this three percent rate and buy at a four point seven five or a four and a half. You know, if I am going to get similar ha- apples to apples ish houses, same makes money it, on the rate, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I think it, it's kind of remains to be seen on what sellers will do, but I think there is going to be more of them than there were you know, over the last couple of years. And I think it's going to take some creativity on the part of the buyers and the agents too, is, you know, a lot of people don't want to put their house on the market. They may sell it, but let's face it. How many people have you talked to that says, I don't necessarily want a lot of traffic through my home right now?
0: Oh man, it's all over the
1: place. I wouldn't mind selling it um, in kind of a controlled sort of situation, you know, agents need to know these things. Agents need to kind of have an idea of, um, you know, again, it's a need, it's a concern that's got to be met and it's just a new one for us.
0: Yeah. And that should be part of the, the consultation, not consultation, but you know, if you're having these conversations and you're talking with a seller and, and you hear, you know, a scenario where, you know, I'd be interested in selling, but I'm not trying to, you know, have open houses and get 30, 40, 50 people coming through and, you know, this and that. Um, I think you're right. Agents can, you know, take a step back. Let's, you know, find some yeah. out of the box sort of things we can do. Like, let's look at uh, doing a virtual tour and posting that, you know, with For the sure. listing or, you know, whatever it is. got to uh, adapt.
1: You got to be a problem solver. You yeah. never know what the concern is going to be. Exactly. I mean, it, whether you're herding uh, the cats of the house or we, we've done it all, we've rounded up pets. Yeah. We've tried to get people to wear booties through houses and, you know, it, but, you know, that's going to be something that makes each individual client comfortable. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in doing that type of thing, you'd probably be good for our business. There you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and being my guinea pig for the first episode.
1: Hey, I hope it worked. I appreciate you doing it. I, I really think and, uh, you know, I hope people out there will, will listen because, you know, and give you feedback, too. Like, what do they want to know? Yeah. Uh, you know? because yeah. It's a that's... good medium to, uh, to, to get that.
0: I think it really is. And one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast was because I wanted to be able to have these conversations like you and I and, you know, other agents that I talk to, we kind of have these great conversations, but it's just a conversation between two people. And I feel like when you can bring these sorts of conversations to people that are on the other side of it, you know, buying and selling real estate just brings value to them and helps them understand more of what's happening in their market, in their community, and and how they can position themselves to, you know, be better in in real estate and and make out better on their sale or get a better deal when you're purchasing or, you know, whatever the case. Or shoot, if they're just interested in keeping up with the market and the community, you know, I'd love for them to, you know, tune in and hopefully they can get something out of it.
1: For sure. Well, thank you, man.
0: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Until next time.